Wheeling Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Welcome to episode 266 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Today, we discuss how you can improve your landings, whether you're a beginner or a seasoned pilot. Additionally, we'll discuss suggestions and techniques for our flight instructors to use while teaching landings. Let's do the pre-flight. Our sponsor today is PlainEnglishSim.com. Plain English Sim is an app-based aviation radio simulator. It's an easy way to gain radio proficiency in both VFR and IFR. You know, you can use a coupon code PlainEnglishSim to get a free one-year access to the scholarships guide that we have online. Links to the Aerospace Scholarships Guide are in the show notes. You just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. Use that coupon code PlainEnglishSim. They're giving away 10 scholarships guides. Supplies don't last long, so go out there and check it out. Get that free guide. You might be able to get additional rating. Uh, you might be able to get some additional flight time and um, kind of move forward in your flying life. So don't forget to use Plain English Sim and our sponsor at PlainEnglishSim.com. What a great uh, organization. Just absolutely love what they're doing with helping people move forward in their ability to, to speak both VFR and IFR. Now entering cruise flight. Well, again, I'm Carl Valerian. Joining me today to discuss how you can improve your landings, whether you're a professional or a beginner, I have with me Sean Moody, Bill English, Tom Frick, and Victoria Nouvel. And also as a bonus, we're going to discuss suggestions and techniques for our flight instructors to use while teaching landings. Guys, welcome uh, back to the show, and especially Victoria. It's been a little while. I know you've been incredibly busy, so uh, I want to say a special uh, welcome back to you. Thank you. Excited to be back. Yeah, you've been working so hard on, uh, you know, I guess people are busy buying airplanes from what I've heard. Yeah, it's actually an interesting time for aviation. I know a lot of us are not as lucky and not flying as much, but there's a, quite a few people that I think find themselves working at home and actually have the time to complete a lifelong dream of learning to fly, adding another rating, or think, you know, this is a great time to buy an aircraft since not many people are flying the airlines. So it's Definitely been interesting and busy. Yeah, that's uh, it's a great way to social distance buying your own airplane. We highly recommend it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was uh, lucky enough to go out with uh, Bill English to do some landings uh, not too long ago and uh, had a blast uh, going over some of the things that uh, we talk about when we're teaching landings. And that's kind of what the, the whole topic is here tonight. Uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful time. But uh, anyway, so let's move right into it as far as talking about the landings and some techniques and how to improve your landings. Let's talk a little bit about why landings are important. Uh, and I love to use this quote. It's in the Airplane Flying Handbook, which I, I think is really cool. And if you get a chance, get a copy for yourself. I have a hard copy and also a downloadable fa.gov for free. But in the Flying Handbook, uh, they actually mention that over 45% of all general aviation accidents occur during approach and landing phases of flight. 
And over 90% of those cases were pilot-related. Loss of control was also a contributing factor in 33% of those cases. So 90% of the causes of those accidents were actually pilot-related, and loss of control was 33% of those cases. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your landings, improving your landings. Uh, and I talk about approaches and landings because we're going to kind of back up and, and you know, realize that a lot of that uh, landing has to do with how you set up for the approach. So let's talk first about learning how to land. Um, I, again, I feel that one of the most important things, and I get some input from the other folks too, is it's important to go to some of the publications and read a little bit about it. But you actually have to go out there and do it. You have to actually practice. But when we're, when we're actually starting out, I do feel that one of the best sources is the FAA publication. We're going to get to, into some other things. But there's some wonderful things out there on learning how to land. There's many different ways on how to land, and these suggestions are going to be as you know, talking to instructors, et cetera. But you know, one of the things I likened it to, and I'd love to hear some other folks' feedback, is you know, when you're learning how to land, it's it's a lot like I found when I was learning how to drive, and anticipating turns and how to ride. You know, as you're driving faster on a highway, where do you actually place your eyes, and how how do you view that? You know, highway in front of you, in our case, it's going to be the runway. It really is like that. Well, again, like I said, Tom, uh, joining me today is Tom Frick. And, Tom, I know uh, we actually got a, a chance to go out there and do some landings. It really is uh, something that I think is very important is starting off your career in your aviation life uh, is learning how to land. Um, and so one of the things I'd like, Tom, if you could comment a little on, because I know you do a lot of flight instructing, is, uh, you know, basically what do you see as far as, the best ways to learn how to land as far as as the students that you see that progress the quickest and is there one thing i don't know if there's any one given thing but you know i mean learning how to land the plane is is you know when when the first time i walked into a flight school there was a sign that was on the wall that said the second the the most exhilarating or the second most exhilarating day in a, in a guy's life is uh flying an airplane. The first is when he lands, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's the hardest to learn flying the airplane. That's the easy part, putting it back on the ground. That's the hard part. And that's what we learn. We take students out and we learn all the maneuvers first. We learn how to do slow flight. We learn how to do power off stalls, power on stalls, you know, how to do S turns, how to do turns around a point. All of those things are to teach us how to control that airplane when we get in the pattern and get ready to put that plane back on the ground again how it's going to feel, what it's going to do. We take it to its extremes, you know, and that's what we're trying to learn, you know. So the people that I see that learn how to land the plane the quickest are the ones that learn all of those basic rudimentary maneuvers the quickest. You know, somebody who understands the, um, the, the finesse of what it is to control that airplane, they're the ones that are most likely to put it on the ground the best, you know. And, and you're right, you know, uh, a good landing starts in the pattern. I mean, it's going to start long before you even make it to that airport. It's it's setting the thing up and getting it completely set up so that you are in the best place possible to put it on the ground. And, you know, one of the things I teach all the time is that landing should be a surprise, you know, that at any given time, you are ready to go full throttle and go around and keep that airplane flying until you can put yourself back in that perfect position again to put that plane back on the ground. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And uh, and when we're talking about landings, we'll, we'll kind of back up to that whole the approach to landing, the base leg, the final, and the roundout flare, and then, of course, touchdown, and then and the rollout, all different parts that are very important to a landing. So backing up, uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about is a normal, uh, normal landing, which as all of us know, there, there's no quote-unquote normal landing. They're all different. That's the one exciting thing about flying is uh, is that they're so different. You know, there's the winds are different. Uh, you know, temperatures are different. Uh, density altitude is different. The power in your engine is different, you know, depending on, on a lot of different things. And it's one, the weights are different, and that's what's so darn exciting about this. Uh, but but really what we want to focus on uh, and is of course talking about the setting up for the landing is important. That's why I want to talk to Tom about that. Is that making sure you have everything set properly to actually land, and we want to focus on that portion of it. So that's why we're not really talking about the the different portions of the approach. We want to talk about the base leg final and the round out and flare. So one of those things I want you to do though, if for me, is go out and talk to your instructor about how setting up for an approach is so important. Just like we talk about, it's you know you're going to have a good landing. A lot of times when you're 50 miles away from the airport or 10 miles away from the airport based on how you set everything up. Um, but so, so one of the things that I feel that as far as improving your landings, that's really, really important is, is get a picture of what it is you want to do in your mind. You know, where, where do you want to land? What do you, you know, especially what you're aiming for, that type of thing. Where do we want to land? Remember, we want to land in about the first third uh, on the runway, and Tom, you mentioned as far as you know, being surprised when you land. I think it's very important too to make sure you have a point where you say to yourself, "Hey, if I don't land here, I'm definitely going around." And so we do get to that point though, where the landing becomes uh, a lot more assured once we actually practice, practice, practice uh, with that airplane and the approaches and the landings. You know, you know, I go back to what I just said as far as weights and that type of thing. One of the things that we do is we try to be very consistent on each of our landings. But um, when we're doing competitions and we want to land in a specific spot, we kind of have to practice a little bit. Because if we're really light, it's going to land a lot different than when we're heavy. And that's that actually is very true. And especially folks that fly airplanes that have many different weight variances, you really you notice that. So it's like, gosh, you know, I, I really got to remember in my mind, what did it look like last time I flew when I was just with one person in the plane? You know, what did it look like when I had a lot of people in the airplane? Uh, so let's kind of talk there. Let's go into as far as, you know, we went from the base leg, we're now on final, and we're approaching to land. There's certain things that we have to take into consideration. One of the big ones, and this is something that I think we all should really try to work on, is the winds uh, and trying to figure out where we are and where the winds are coming from and planning our turns and planning, you know, what we're going to do when we do do that round out quote unquote flare, that type of thing. So Bill, I was, I was going to ask you, how do you, what do you do with your students? I know you, uh, I could talk about we, what we talked about when we were doing some landings. How do you talk to your students about, uh, and what advice would you give as far as the final approach to the airport and what you do as far as visualizing where they, and where they should be looking? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. We, you know, we talked about this a little bit, uh, the other day, yesterday, wasn't it? I don't know. Anyway, um, and I, I would I would kind of say you mentioned something like uh, we want to land in the first third of the w- runway. I I like to say aim small, miss small. So 
you're going to land in the first third of the runway, but if you aim for the first third of the runway, that's a pretty big target. That's hard. You want to, I, I try to show people and I, and I try to do, uh, pick that point on the runway. And, and you've all heard this, pick the point on the runway that's not moving up or down in your, in your windscreen. That's, that's the point that you're going to, if you just, if nothing else changes, that's the part of the pavement you're going to hit. Consider a point for that. Make pick the point you want to be that point that moves up and down and make it really, really small. Not the first third of the runway, not the touchdown zone, but like we were what well, we were landing on runway seven and it wasn't even the numbers. Was the top edge of the seven was the aim point. And if you're a little bit sloppy off of that, well, what are you going to miss? You're going to miss the thickness of the, you know, of the top bar of the number seven, not, you know, 500 feet this way or that way. So um, it's what I'm talking about is aim small, miss small, precision, pick a precise point and aim for that. And, and that sets you up to be nice and stable and uh, sets you up for success. You know, a good point, and that's actually something we want to do as we move forward and get better at our landings. Um, I do uh, feel, and love to hear some other input on this, that when you start teaching the landings, that's where, and even the FAA t- talks about landing in the first third of the runway, they keep bringing it in. But if you start off with that, you know, you know, aim small, you know, land small, you're, you're doing uh, you know, them a, a justice, I think, and making them fly a lot more precise. Um, but one of the things that I think we need to do is, as flight instructors also, and as pilots, is continually practice landings and and don't accept, and this is a a big part about learning how to land, you know, don't accept mediocrity, but also don't, and this is really, really, really important, don't beat yourself up. I know when I have students and they say, I can't get this, I can't get this, I said, listen, you're gonna get it. All we need to do is another thousand landings and you've got this. And and when I say that, they look at me like a thousand. I said, "Yeah, I mean, after a thousand landings, you're going to be so good." And and they're like, "Oh my God!" I just just think about that. You know, you know, it's like becoming an overnight success in five years. You know, it's it just doesn't happen just overnight. It doesn't happen with the first one. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I find when I'm first bring somebody up to land. I, and I just you know have it like an intro flight, and I tell them what to do in the flare and the landing. That's like their best landing, and it takes another like 15 hours to get back to having good landings again because of the fact that they they weren't thinking, they weren't overthinking what they were doing. So uh, so that's I think is really important. So don't don't be hard on yourself. I think that's to me when you're learning landing, don't be hard on yourself. Two things, and I, I'd love to hear the input from people on this one. I the way I teach landings is is two things. Number one. I want you to learn how to land safely, and then I want you to learn how to land well. Safe is first, and landing well is second. So that also goes to a philosophy on each of your landings. If you're coming in for a landing and say you're either you're really tired, it's challenging winds, etc., you know you're not shoot first, landing safely. This may not be the day that you're going to grease it on. Um, this isn't the day you're going to, you know, actually impress the passengers or your friends. And you just want to land safely. Amazingly enough, when you do that, there's something psychologically that happens. And you wind up actually doing better than you, you realize and you, you, or you think you're going to do, I should say. And, 
and you wind up doing a great landing. Those days where you, you're like, okay, I'm just going to do a landing, and I'm going to do a safe landing, it's, it's, like, it's like butter. You land, and you grease it on that day. Of course, the day where you're trying so hard to land so well, it, it's, those are the days that, that actually you kind of plunk it on, and you get really disappointed. Uh, you're mad at yourself, and, you, and that's where I, I want you to say, okay, listen, if you're mad at yourself, go out and practice some more. That's all. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the specifics as far as improving your landing. Does anybody else have any comments on that as far as really the psychology of, of learning to land and, and what we should expect as, as, a, as a pilot in general and, and what I, you guys might do? I can add on to that a little bit because I know, um, especially when you're trying to nail something down and just aiming for perfection, um, is just patience patience with yourself and then patience with the aircraft. Um, I'm sure you've heard just fly it to the runway. My biggest problem, especially if I hadn't flown for a while is during almost like when you're going to pull back that throttle and start the flare, that's where I get the most impatient and I am just ready to be on the ground. Might've been a tiring flight. I'm just ready to be done. And I rush that whole process. And every time I rush it, I end up flaring high and bumping and I think, you know, the best thing to do is just have patience and keep flying the aircraft until you're on the ground. Because the second you lose that, um, the second you rush yourself, that's when you make three landings instead of one. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, I know one time I was like really frustrated with myself. I said, you know what, I, I, I can't do this. And then the best thing to do is just get out there and and practice more. One thing I find too is when I'm with instructors, they're trying to show me something. Uh, a lot of times, you have to kind of ignore them and just do what you think is best. Uh, it, I know that's that sounds counterintuitive, but it's kind of like with I, I hear talk, people talk about golf. I don't golf. Is you're going out there and you're golfing, and I hear guys that are and gals that are really good golfers that don't do what you're supposed to do. They do what works for them. And so that's another part of my philosophy I wanted to kind of bring forth is do what works for you. Use all these tools that are suggested by the instructor. And then at some point, and this is the hardest thing to do, if there's somebody with you, say, hey, listen, let me just try this my way and and then you critique me afterwards. How's that sound? Instead of saying, shut up. You know, I've heard people do that. That is the wrong thing to do is, is tell them, hey, listen, I just want you to evaluate this landing and, and don't say anything. Just tell me what I did wrong afterwards or what I did right, that type of thing. Much better approach to that than, hey, you know, quit, quit running your gums there, <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, but uh, anyway, any other things as far as a head game is concerned, Bill? Do you have a comment as far as, you know, psychologically what we can do to be a, a, a better at landings? Uh, I think Tom had some on the head game, not me. Oh, Tom, I'm sorry, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing is is that landing an airplane is, is one of those things that's very physical and that the mental part of it is something that sometimes doesn't catch up with the physical right away. So the the time that you spend landing, it may not be as perfect as you thought it should be when you were actually doing it, but the learning that happens and what happens and what you carry over into the next time that you fly is immeasurable. And, and that's what's hard to teach the students sometimes. It's like, okay, I know that you're telling yourself that, you know, we bounced it in a few times today and this really, really sucked. But at the end of the day, you learned some very valuable things today and it's going to carry over into the next time that you fly. And when I fly with them again and they can see that and I can say, 
see how much better it was today. And that was stuff that you learned the last time that we fly flew. And, and that's, you know, that's the game that, uh, that we play with this is, and that's why, you know, when you tell somebody, yeah, by the time you get a thousand landings, it's going to be okay, you know, or it's going to be a lot better. Of course it is. It's, it's that repetition, but you, it's that period in between that the learning actually takes place and that we carry away something that's really going to help us in the future. Yeah, good point. Sean, did you have something to add? Yeah, I can add a bit too. I know, Victoria, you were talking about patience and, and Tom, you're talking about, you know, sort of just accepting what it is, not beating yourself up over it. I think that extends, it's obviously a bit of that uh, head game like you're talking about, but that extends to the sort of physical act of landing the airplane uh, with one of the students I've been working with. Um, once he's kind of relaxed himself and, he, and like you said, he's being more patient, his touch becomes so much lighter. And I think that's so important um, when you're you're landing, obviously, and, and when you get to that round out and flare and you're just making those very, very, very small control adjustments. Um, so many people, I think, when they're trying to learn to land and they're, they've got this picture in their head of what a landing looks like, they're trying to muscle the airplane into what that position should be. And if they'll just flex their hands a bit, get the hands off the yoke on final, just kind of shake it out and then get ready so that once they come up to landing, they're, they're ready to, to just sort of relax, be in the moment and, and finesse that airplane down to the ground. Uh, I think they'll notice a big difference there too. That's a, a great point. Thanks for that, Sean. So Another thing, too, before we move on, just one more thing. Let's learn to laugh at yourself. You know, uh, you know, we, we say something at the airlines, you know, I don't take credit for the good ones and I don't take, uh, you know, criticism for the bad ones is another word a lot of people use. I, I, I just kind of modified that a little bit. But uh, it really is true. I mean, we, we just have to realize that every landing is a challenge, and that's what makes this so darn fun uh, is, is each of those landings are a challenge. So let's talk a little bit about those lands. Let's start now with, you know, we talked about setting it up, the, and we weren't going to go too much into that. We want to talk about, specifically on this podcast, is final approach uh, flare and landing. So talking about final approach and, and setting up, you know, your aircraft for that final approach is really important. Make sure you have everything settled in, that type of thing. Uh, so... It's really important on final to, when you're turning base and, and you're on final, to have uh, some type of a consistency. Uh, have that quote-unquote normal type of an approach. Uh, have all your, your configurations proper. Uh, say, you know, there's a approach speed a lot of times uh, that actually is printed, but a lot, you know, I fly a lot of different airplanes, so I'll a lot of times use the V, you know, 1.3 VSO. Uh, is used and uh, and then I'll slow maybe to 1.2 on on short final that type of thing and so you do you can do kind of that math in your head I guess if you can maybe have it figured out before you go fly uh, and and make sure that you have that speed set because the speed is so important speed control is one of those things that really gets a lot of people in trouble uh, as you move up to faster and heavier airplanes and uh, say you bring your whole family in the plane, that type of thing, speed control is is very, very important because now you have that, that whole momentum there. And when you're landing, it's going to increase your distance or decrease it depending on how well you actually have, con you know, you're able to control that. So again, I, I just use that 1.3 VSO. Uh, it's, uh, it's that really kind of simple. The, the way I go about it is, you know, three times, you know, 30% of whatever the speed is. And it gives me that, that, uh, that, uh, final approach speed. Um, uh, but 
that plus also your descent angle. But uh, anyway, let's talk a little bit about speed before we talk about the descent. So does anybody, Bill, do you have a, a comment on speed? Yeah, just one thing to mention on the speed, you know, you you, you mentioned 1.3 VSO or book speed, whatever it is, you know, a final uh, approach speed. One other thing to look for, you know, if, if, if you're frustrated with this as well, you say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my speed uh, is also how how consistently are you um, staying on that speed or, or even if you're a little bit off, if you're if you're ch- constantly chasing it, you're a little too fast, a little too slow, then too fast, too slow. Um, Th- those those variations can really get you unstable as well. You may even be better off uh, a little too fast or a little too slow, not a lot, um, if you're not varying quite so much. Um, so that that may be something to help work on. That's you know part of the stability is not you know hunting and chasing it so much. Figure out that configuration in your airplane that's going to get you on that speed. And then it's like you mentioned before, small um, light variations rather than uh, uh, chasing it all around. Right and. With, you know, with that said, uh, in the speed control, how about uh, talking about, say, you know, our descent and our descent angle? The I forgot what was the quote you said as far as, you know, aim small, land small. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah aim small, miss small. Miss small, that's it. Right. Uh, that comes from another thing, like shooting sports, I think. Uh, and golf. And golf, and golf, too. That's like, I like that. So uh, we're going to add that one to, to the show notes, aim small, miss small. Uh, but as far as the angle is concerned and aiming, you know, we I talk about the first third because that's what the FAA says in their manuals, but I love what you say there. What do you do as far as it Advice to somebody when you're actually aiming, and now this is on final approach, and you're say you're 800 feet above the ground, 600 feet above the ground. Yeah, right. That's um, like I mentioned the, and and we've all heard this that there's going to be a spot in your windscreen that's that's um, not moving up or moving down. If a if a particular spot on the runway, a stripe, a number, whatever it might be, um, I'm, I'm going to have to think about this right? as as it's moving down right whatever whatever it is it's moving down in your windscreen you're going to pass over that spot you're going to be past that spot if it's moving up in your windscreen you're going to you're going to hit the runway before whatever that spot is so whatever is not moving up or down in your windscreen that that's your aim spot if that's frozen in your windscreen that's uh, that's your initial aim point so you want to make sure you pick something and it doesn't matter what you know it could be the, num- the numbers pick a, a you know a stripe depends what the runway is pick one of those and hold that um, hold that steady that may not be where you actually touch the ground that's that's another thing i think that maybe frustrates um, pilots when they're starting out they say well that's my aim point but then i don't hit there you can't you can't possibly hit there because by the time you you know you flare the air the airplane's gone up and float past that a little bit you're actually going to touch down a little bit beyond it but that's the first part of setting all this up and then i I think we're going to get you know to other things later on right and you know that's a great point also the the one thing about a stabilized approach and the speed remember the the type of approaches we're talking about most landings are done with partial speed or excuse me partial power not power off we're talking about the normal stabilized approach using uh, power and uh, what that enables us to do is say like you said it's going underneath us we can pitch down uh, but when we pitch down the speed goes up we can bring the power back to get our speed uh, back to where it should be if we're doing a power off landing that's different we're talking about just a normal actually approach and landing tom you had a, an a approach comment yeah and you know it just it was a paragraph that i picked up out of the airplane flying handbook and it it specifically talks about a stabilized approach and it defines that a stabilized approach is one which the pilot establishes and maintains a constant angle of glide path 
toward a predetermined point on the landing runway. It is based on the pilot's judgment of certain visual clues and depends on the maintenance of a constant final descent airspeed and configuration. And, and that's what you guys were talking about. It's about maintaining that airspeed, maintaining a configuration, and putting yourself in the best possible place so that you can get to that point of landing the airplane. You know, and that stabilized approach is, like I said, what, what I said earlier, you know, I mean, a good landing probably happens in the downwind more than anything else. You know, having yourself set up in that place where you are starting to configure that aircraft and getting it ready to be put back on the ground again. All right. All right. Good point. Uh, but, got, you know, again, going back to the power, you know, we're not talking power off. That's, a, you know, the, those circles to land, that kind of thing. You see the little pipers coming in. Uh, and normally, you know, we do things simultaneously. You know, we, we get too high, we push the nose down. Then the next thing we have to do is bring the power back. If we get too low, we bring the nose up. We have to push the power. And we're trying to keep that speed, you know, especially on final approach where we're using because we're not doing the power off landing. We're using that, that actually power. We're adjusting our speed with that. Uh, but we're also doing something else. Um, we're using these other devices, which most of our airplanes have. And uh, those are those are flaps. And the flaps are wonderful things to help us uh, descend and use during a normal landing. Uh, and a lot of times uh, we need to use some flaps like you know, 10 degrees, 15 degrees, whatever it may be, as initial flap setting as we start our descent in the pattern. And then at some point we decide, okay, we need to do our final flap setting. Final flap setting may be for people in bigger planes, like you set a goal of say a thousand feet or in your, you know, 152, 172 might be 500 feet. But the most important thing is to figure out where that might be. So to add to that, Tom, now that you're on that uh, subject, what, what do you teach your students primarily as far as flap settings and the airplanes that you're flying as far as the smaller planes? Well, in the smaller planes, I mean, it's, it's, it's dependent upon what type of approach and landing you're doing. I mean, am I on a nice calm day or am I in a um, extreme headwind or am I in extreme crosswind or just a slight crosswind? And they all would um, demand different configurations. You know, I'm, if, if I've got a, a very strong headwind, I may not use full flaps. You know, you're better off to to uh, just go maybe two notches of flaps and that'll put you in and put you in a better place. Again, it's about all uh, it's about speed and configuration, getting myself in the right place to put those wheels on the ground. And, you know, when I get down to the point of landing, um, I've heard the term flare um, several times tonight. And, and, you know, with all due respect to my other flight instructors, I tend to use the term transition. What I do is I transition and I, I teach my students to transition from a sight picture that is going down to a point of landing of where they intend to put the wheels on the ground and transitioning to a sight picture that's looking down the runway and flying that airplane down the runway until it's done flying so it can set down on the runway. And, and, and it will stop flying. Once the speed gets slow enough, it has no choice. It will stop and it will stop flying and the wing stalls and it, it puts the wheels down on the ground. The technique of landing an airplane properly usually happens when you, that stall happens with the wheels just an inch or two off the ground as opposed to a foot to three feet off the ground, whereas normally that's when those um, unwanted bounces may happen. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's where we, we get into, you know, trying to adjust for, for height and stuff like that. But but those flaps, going back to that, they are a tool. They're great for adjusting, actually, uh, our descent angle. And that's important, say, you know, either getting over, you know, an obstacle, et cetera. And it also can help us, uh, you know, maybe slow down a little bit more uh, during the landing. And, and that helps quite a bit also. Uh, Victoria, you had a comment about flaps before we get into the next uh, thing that we're going to talk about. Yeah, just a quick thing to note that's sometimes fun to practice. I often fly an aircraft that does not have flaps. So, you know, you don't have that option um, to put in that extra drag to help slow yourself down and um, help with your descent. And then also sometimes um, your flaps might get stuck. I was out in the practice area in the 172 once and uh, the flaps got stuck at 10%. And so we couldn't get them down any further um, before landing. And it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to practice anyway, to see how the different angle attacks are when you don't have, um, access to all your flaps. All right. Very, very good point. Very good point. Let's move on to what, uh, Tom was talking about is, you know, first of all, estimating your height and, and movement, but also, uh, the round out flare or transition, which, uh, we use those terms, uh, everybody uses them differently. Uh, but basically we want to transition from a descent into the runway, uh, because that is another form of landing is descending right into the runway. It normally breaks the airplane. So, so we don't want to have that happen. So we want to do what's called a lot of people call it a flare. Uh, some people call it a round out. Some people call it a transition. Uh, but we want to do that because one of the most important things is the fact that we we land on the on the main landing gear uh, because a lot of times many airplanes uh, their their nose is down while we're landing right so if we keep the nose down we're going to land on the nose wheel something that we see often uh, a lot of times though I think another thing that that occurs when we're actually landing on the nose may not be the the fact that we're tra- not transitioning properly it's trying to figure out the height above the runway. So I'd love to hear if anybody has any tools as far as judging the height, where to focus. I know that you pick a point on the runway, you start aiming for that, you know, if it starts going up in the windshield, you know, getting too low. But now you're getting closer. Now we're getting close to that to that actual transition to to actually landing on the main landing gear. So so where what do you tell your students? I, I guess Tom, I, I'd like to hear from you since you use that transition. What do you tell the students to do with their eyes when they're aiming at a point? Now they have to actually transition to a landing. Sure. So they're when they're as we're descending in for a landing, I have their eyes focused on the point that they intend to land at. Once that transition happens, I have them looking all the way down the far end of the runway and flying that airplane. It's all about sight picture. And to gain that sight picture, sometimes I have students that don't quite grasp the sight picture right away. I try to get them and remind them when we're taxiing out before we even ever take off. What does it look like around you now? What does the the taxiway look like? Burn that image in your mind. What it feels like to be straight and level, taxiing down a runway, and what does that look like? because the transition is gonna look pretty basically the same. If my wheels are only an inch or two off the ground where I would prefer them to be, that's what that sight picture is gonna look like. If they still have problems with it, I try to do basically like slow flight or like low passes down a runway with a student to try to get them to burn visually that sight picture in their mind and how to look further down the runway. Once that sight picture is burned into their mind, then they have an idea of where they need to be once that transition happens. And like I said, at that point, it's a matter of flying the airplane down the runway, holding that sight picture, 
until the wing stops flying and hopefully it drops down on the ground and lands. And like I said, the point is to teach it so that it happens with the wheels just an inch or two off the ground as opposed to two or three feet or more above the ground. Yeah, good point. And, you know, when we're actually transitioning with with that visualization, um, you know, you're actually trying to transition your eyes uh, in a certain speed and also transitioning to the flare or the transition round out, what, do you, what you want to call it, that is consistent with the rate of descent. I mean, your, your, your actual transition and how quickly you transition to this new attitude to land depends a lot on that. I mean, it depends on how, you know, how high you're above the ground, if you're going, how fast you're descending, whether, what your pitch is. So you pitched over, now you have to actually round out uh, just a little bit a little bit faster than, than before. So it's always just a, a, a little bit different, but it should be close. And it doesn't be, need to be exactly the same, but has to be close. Uh, as far as other visual things, uh, I know Bill yesterday, was it yesterday? Gosh, it seems like so long ago. We talked about uh, a, a method that you use as far as uh, using stripes or something. So maybe you could uh, go back over that with me. Um, yeah, well, it's not my method. It's, it's, I've got it in the pick of the week too. But a, a way that works pretty well um, for most light airplanes if you're not doing some crazy um, steep descent or anything like that. But our normal landings um, on a normal runway – if you're if you pick your your landing point and when you can see a point that's about a hundred to two hundred feet ahead of that landing point disappear under your nose, that's the time to start transitioning or flaring, whichever word you want to use. It's kind of the same when you start moving the airplane into that landing attitude. And that's um, for our most runways. That's pretty much one full stripe and a gap. So if you're if you're aiming at the far end of, say, the second stripe on the runway, when the end of the previous stripe disappears under the nose, that's about 200 feet right there. Um, or, or you can even get a little, depending on your airplane, but that's about right. Start the um, start the transition there. That way you don't have to guess and figure out because you talk to a new person. You say, well, you want to start rounding out and flaring at you know 10 feet above the runway. They don't know how to judge that. How can they don't know what ten feet above the ground looks like? This there's there's all sorts of trigonometry and everything involved, but you don't have to do any math. Just pick the previous stripe when it disappears, start the transition, and and that works pretty darn good for most light airplanes. Yeah, I think that I, it worked out really well. I mean, I, I was uh, that was kind of cool that you showed me that. I was really enjoying that uh, that lesson yesterday. Um, one other thing too is, and we have to talk about this on certain airplanes. You have to be very careful about the pitch attitude, and uh, you know, a lot of times we we land, we land maybe different types of pitch attitudes, of course, but uh, it it can only be a certain limit. You know, we can strike the tail, especially on, you know, I used to fly tomahawks a lot, and that was a big thing is having tail strikes on tomahawks. So if you're airplane, you can't pitch above a certain amount. Uh, I know that's kind of what we do, you know, at the airlines is we actually land at a specific attitude and you don't go beyond that. Uh, so, you know, you just kind of hold it there and put it right onto the ground and let the wheels uh, touch down and stop you. So the other thing to be careful of, again, it goes back to learning your airplane and practicing and looking down the runway and using visual cues that work for you personally. And it helps, too, to have a specific spot in the airplane uh, where you sit, whether a height, you know, or your pedals are a certain way. You really have to try to be consistent in, in where you sit in the airplane and get used to that. Uh, and a lot of it, again, it goes down to 
to actually practice. One of the important things that I want to talk about now is let's talk about the, we talked about the flare and all, let's talk a little bit about the touchdown. And uh, one of the more important things is knowing that this airplane has not stopped flying until we've parked it, right? There's, and I know some of the, you folks out there have done this, I've done this, is you kind of kind of stop or give up right after landing. It's like, whoa, you know, it, you can't do that. It, because you can be airborne again, or you could lose control of the airplane. You are continuing to fly that airplane all the way down the runway. So what you're going to try to do is, is like Tom was saying, let it run out of airspeed, uh, slow the plane down in a small plane. That's what we're using, aerodynamics, to actually slow us down. We don't want to use the brakes, especially if you were an owner of the air, airplane. <laughs> let the airplane slow down. Let it come down at the slowest speed possible. And then you ran out and you touched down, but you're not done there. Uh, you Actually, another thing that you'll see is that people will drop the, the nose down. Well, that's probably not a, or isn't a great idea. You know, you keep that attitude and, and keep back pressure on that elevator and just kind of continue to bring it back and bring it back until uh, it actually is, you know, ready to come down. The nose wheel is ready to come down. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times that nose wheel is like a foot, two, three feet above the ground. Uh, you want to have it about there when you're actually letting it settle in. You do not want to uh, pl place it right on uh, the nose wheel. And that is something that we see quite often. So I'd love to hear from some of the other folks here as far as, you know, what you try to do to help people, uh, you know, get over that landing on the nose. Because I know everybody has seen it here. You know, what are some of the methodologies that you use? Uh, you know, Sean, what, what are some of the things that you use to help people from actually uh, landing right on the nose? Um, I, I think for the, the one student I'm flying with right now, it was a matter of experience. Uh, we, uh, on, on my first flight with him, we ended up with a little bit of a porpoise. And that was my first experience ever seeing that happen. Uh, we, we touched down slightly on the nose and it started through that oscillation and, we did the full power go around and used it as a good learning experience to say, all right, that is why uh, as we're in the flare, we are pitching up. We're looking for that side picture to keep the nose slightly above the horizon. And we want to land on those main landing gear. Uh, otherwise, that will happen right there. Um, so I think definitely the, uh, that learning uh, style of, of intensity, uh, I think, uh, did its job right there. Um, because uh, it hasn't happened since. Uh, as we fly, you know, anytime I see the nose drop a bit more than I think it should in the flare, I'll, you know, kind of call it out. Say, hey, more back pressure, more back pressure. Um, but uh, typically, uh, that's all I need to say. Every now and then, I might just add a little bit of back pressure myself on my side. But um, I think in my case, uh, just that experience of, of having seen what that looks like has done the job. You know, one of the things, <laughs> yeah, one of the things I've seen is is we we try so hard sometimes as instructors to really try and and push you know our students to land. We're we're frustrated and to land well, but it, the patience is so important. And sound like you had a lot of patience there, and it worked out. So hats off to you on that. I think that's incredibly important. Uh, Victoria, one of the things that I notice is on your social media, I see a lot of times you're flying an airplane that seems like a tail dragger, and, and you must know more than most that uh, you don't stop flying, especially after landing and especially during the rollout, do you? Heck no. Actually, you know, I think those parts are almost more dangerous because, you know, we know how to – 
land a plane and you said it right in the 172 when I'm landing I'm like relaxed afterwards I'm leaning back more I'm not as aware but in that tailwheel you know it just takes one little mistake to um, you know ground loop or you know flip it around or get stuck because sometimes those little wheels in the back just don't want to move so you really do have to um, continue flying it right back to the hangar till that engine stopped you need to be aware of what you're doing yeah, even when it's it, it, tying it down, you know, it can actually get moved even even before tie down. The engine stopped already, so uh, good point. Tom, you had another comment about uh, landing and rollout? Absolutely. It, it, it's, you know, one of the things that's, like, hard to teach is, and, and you had mentioned it about being on the brakes and, and, you know, coming in and landing and keeping control of the airplane and keep flying the plane down the runway, and all of those things are really important. And one of the things that I have taught to uh, several students before about, you know, how to transition from the point where you're flying and now you're rolling on the ground is to have them land at a place where they can just let the plane roll out. You know, um, a non-towered airport where there's nobody forcing you to get off the runway like, okay, make the next left-hand turn and get out off, you know, where, where you can take your time and do this and let the plane roll out. And usually by the time they get down to the end of the runway, the thing is barely rolling at all. And they're kind of like, okay, can I add some power now so we can move along? And And they realize that, like, the plane will dissipate energy very, very quickly once it's down on the ground, once all that friction starts happening between the tire and the ground, that they have control of the airplane. And once they've realized that, then they're like, okay, now I understand that, you know, getting the transition and trying to get it on the ground and get to that point of rollout that, you know, being on the brakes and trying to stop and get off the runway is is um, important, but it's not as critical as it, um, they, they might have thought it might have been. So it, it's a good practice just, just to kind of let the plane roll out and see how it would dissipate. You know, I tell them, look, I promise I will jump on the brakes and make sure that we're going to stay safe and that the airplane's not going to crash. Just let it go. Put it on the ground. Let it roll out. See what happens. And they're surprised sometimes when they figure out how quickly that thing will dissipate energy and come to a rest almost or at least a small crawl. And if they become aircraft owners, they're going to thank you when you're, uh, they're not doing as many brake, you know, transit air <laughs> changes. Oh, absolutely. You know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I had a wonderful DPE who, who, okay, I'll use the term yelled. He probably wasn't yelling, but you know, he was, he was on me about being on the brakes and he says, do you know how much the brakes cost on a C-130? They're $10,000 a piece. Get off of those things, you know? So, and while I got that discussion in an airplane, I was grateful for it because, you know what, now I understand that, you know, there there are, there's maintenance issues, there's all sorts of things that we don't have to be on those brakes, that that airplane itself will dissipate energy once it transitions and gets on the ground. And that, that was cool to learn. And again, that whole loss of energy started in the downwind to get to a base of final and approach stabilized so that I could put it on the ground. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Stabilize, very, very important. Uh, let's move on to, uh, to and we'll kind of end it with there as far as t uh, different things as far as improving your landings. By the way, there's there's many more tools that people have. These are just some of the things we mentioned. And again, our challenge is for you to go out there and try to uh, to find more tools. Uh, and the tools we're going to mention, and, and practice is important, of course, but uh, there's things that you can find that I think are terrific. And one of them, I have to say, is, is, is books. And um, 
you know, I know people say, well, it's something you have to practice, et cetera. But a lot of times if we visualize things by reading books, we can actually learn by going through them in our head. A great book is to start with the Airplane Flying Handbook. You know, it's, I, I love that. It's the go-to for the FA. It's, it's a great resource. But there's so many other books out there. We're going to get to into some of them in the Picks of the Week. But we also have some in the past Picks of the Week. You can go to stuckmikeavcast.com and check some of those out because a lot of those we've talked about videos oh man i tell you what i love i've really become a a person that loves youtube there's so much good stuff out there there's some stuff that isn't right and isn't good but for the most part you find out what's correct it's like anything in social media excellent videos there also there's videos that you can actually you know purchase the cool thing about some of these videos is people put them out there with some in-flight footage which you can actually use and you can use that as a tool to actually help yourself say hey listen this is what i would do different another cool thing is is not just videos but some things that are like online courses where they have both videos text maybe a quiz that kind of thing and that's absolutely awesome uh in conjunction with that because everything's going online sometimes it's better to have stuff that's downloadable i know i do this you know i download some courses on my ipad and say i'm uh commuting to work or something in the back of an airplane i can actually uh, review some of those those courses online and and uh that are now courses that i can download i think those are awesome uh anybody else as far you know books videos online courses software um uh, maybe I'm missing something else. Maybe chair flying. Any other tools for uh, better landing that we could suggest here, guys? I think that was it. Um, so let's move on to the next thing we were going to talk about. We've talked about this throughout this discussion, uh, but I, I really want to go into more of a philosophy as far as advice to instructors when teaching landings. I'm going to start with this, and I, I kind of want to go around uh, to each one of you as far because we're all instructors you know the advice that you have for instructors and the big maybe big mistakes etc whatever you want to say but the one thing that I think is very 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 important in my mind is the person that you're teaching you have to be very careful your words are very important and if someone does a terrible landing you know and we <laughs> do this at work it's like oh there's the, there's the runway, uh, you know. So let's let's try that again. And but don't say that's the worst landing I've ever seen. Try to be as positive as possible. In other words, be careful what you say because they're gonna remember when someone said something bad about you and your landing. You remember that all night long, and that that landing is gonna you know it's it's already forgotten about you, you know. So but you haven't forgotten about it. So be careful what you say. So that's my advice is the words. So let me go on to uh, I'll I'll hang it on over to Bill English. Uh, what advice do you have for instructors? Maybe big mistakes, whatever it is. One piece of advice you could give an instructor about teaching landings. Um, I guess you got to let people go a little bit, right? Let let them let them learn a little bit from from their own mistakes. I mean, obviously not to the extent of being unsafe, but sometimes people are going to learn by letting their mistakes if you don't uh, you know help them too too much. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's good. Good point, Vic. What kind of advice would you give uh, our instructors out there? So I've given all of two lessons, so, <laughs> um, but I think the thing that stuck with me the most uh, when practicing and learning to become an instructor was where I thought you were going when you said, "Be careful with your words," um, because it's the power of um, like the first thing that someone hears is what they remember. So when you're instructing someone, you want to be very careful about the words you use as they 
are landing. So instead of saying, pull the throttle, they might just pull the throttle all the way back. You want to be like gently, you know, apply pressure to the throttle, slightly move back the throttle. That way you're not like me when I first took off in an airplane for the very first time and they told me to pull back on the yoke and I pulled back on the yoke. <laughs> that's, that's a, it was steep. <laughs> that's great Very advice. Steep. It's kind of like the. <laughs> it's kind of like the words "retard." You know, tell don't tell me to retard the throttle. You know, I'm from Jersey. I might punch you. You know that kind of thing. Don't call me a retard. You know, they're, they're, you're right. I mean, the words mean different things to different people. That's that's for sure. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Vic. Um, anyway, Sean, how about you? What uh, what advice would you have to instructors? One of the things that took me a bit to learn was. Um, to keep an eye on how much pressure the student has on the yoke. Um, I remember one of the first times I uh, took the controls from the uh, from the student. We weren't short final. We, we were on final, but not quite down to short final. And I realized just how much nose down trim he had put in. And I, I hadn't really included that in part of my scan of the student and the scan of the situation was, uh, how much trim does the student have in? So that's something that I'm always watching for on landing now and that I would say to any instructor, um, if the student, particularly if they're having trouble uh, flaring enough, check out the student's trim. Uh, in my case, that solved the problem. You know, bringing that trim back to a bit more nose up makes that flare much easier and really kind of flipped a switch for that student. Yeah, another great piece of advice. Uh, and uh, Tom, finally, what, what advice would you have, or maybe you can mention about the biggest mistake you see with instructors because you teach a lot of instructors. Yeah, so um, by the way, so far great stuff. You know, I would I would have picked any one of those things to, uh, to talk about. And, you know, I guess the one thing I can add is, um, you know, as an instructor, being willing to allow your students to make mistakes. You know, being... And, and it took me a while to figure this out, you know. I mean, when I first started teaching students how to land, I was like a mother hen on them controls, you know. And I was like, oh, my God, don't do that. Oh, my God. And, and as time went on, I got better and better at being able to let go of the controls and allow the student to make their mistakes and, and allow them to happen while still keeping the aircraft safe and keeping the flight safe, you know. And it, as it turns out, most of the things at, at the point that I've gotten now – most of the things that would scare me would absolutely mortify a student. You know, it's beyond their even comprehension that I would be able to allow a plane to get that way. And so being able to let go of the controls, allow the students to make their mistakes and, and, and allow them to learn because that's how they learn. You know, once they make the mistake and then you can talk about it afterwards. Obviously, I don't want the flight to be unsafe. I don't want the landing to be unsafe. And I will take the controls if need be. But I've gotten better at letting go of the controls and allowing them to be like, okay, all right, this is going to be a hard one. Boom. And, you know, the plane is not going to get hurt. The, the, um, we're not going to get hurt. But they're kind of like, oh, my God, that was horrible. And, yeah, it probably wasn't all that great. I, I like the advice about not getting on the student saying, okay, yeah, that could have been a little better, but let's talk about how it could have been better and what we could have done to make that better. And those are the things that I, I, I would say are, are uh, paramount is being able to allow your students to make mistakes. Uh, great advice, Tom. And, and 
thanks so much for everybody and all your input. I learned a few things. I'm going to try to implement some of these things that we talked about. And obviously, there, if you're listening right now, there's probably something that you have and some suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. Go to stuckmycavcast.com and let us know what you think, any techniques you have. I really appreciate it. Our picks of the week. Let's see. The first pick of the week. Oh, I guess I'm at the top here is uh, my pick of the week. And that actually is one that helped me many years ago. And it's still around. You can get it as a video. You can do it as an online course. Uh, it's not a book or anything, but it's uh, it's King Schools Takeoffs and Landings Made Easy. Uh, John and Martha King absolutely love uh, watching them. I still do. Uh, it brings me back to the days of, of when I learned how to fly. As a matter of fact, I think some of those videos and portions of it may be from when I was learning how to fly. I know some of the things are still consistent, and some of those uh, videos are still still out there, uh, actually in their courses, which is I. I actually kind of like that so it's pretty cool a little nostalgia there so again uh, king schools will have a, a link to that there take off and landings made easy that's my pick of the week and our next pick of the week bill what is your pick of the week well my pick of the week is uh, interestingly enough a video like you mentioned youtube video it's one of many youtube videos by jason miller of the finer points is a podcast and a video blog and everything and and this particular one is on landings um mentions one of the techniques that i mentioned earlier like i said um i'm i didn't invent any of this stuff but jason explains it very very clearly and um of course with video it's so much easier to see exactly what's going on so check that one out there's a lot of other good stuff in there but this one specifically on landing the finer points and i can't read the url but it's there in the show notes <laughs> well, I don't like the show notes. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, Victoria, what is uh, your pick of the week? I'm a big fan of the finer points as well. They were really helpful during my CFI. Um, my pick of the week is uh, a video that DFW Airport put up on their Facebook page recently. just called Love is in the Airport. And it's about two pilots that met on a flight um, out of DFW and later became married and it was just really cute. So I thought since Valentine's day, uh, was yesterday when this, uh, debuts, thought it would be a nice, uh, little treat if someone's in the romantic mood. Oh boy. I just, that was great. <laughs> Thanks Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> awesome. Love girls gotta talk about love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll change the color to red on this episode, but I uh, appreciate that Victoria. <laughs> love is in the air at the airport. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Sean, what is your pick of the week? Mine is a, a little flying outfit here in Utah, uh, down in Moab, Utah called Redtail air adventures. Um, I was, uh, was down there in Moab back in the fall and uh, took a flight with them. They do scenic flights over the national parks. Uh, here in Utah, we've got five national parks, two of them just outside Moab. So you can get some really incredible views of Arches National Park and Canyonlands National Park. Uh, they do photo flights over there. And, and all of southeastern Utah, the desert there, is just gorgeous to fly over. Um, if you're into doing adventuring, they also do backcountry flights, uh, dropping raft uh, raft trips off off at some of the backcountry strips so they can uh, hop onto the uh, the Colorado River there and do some trips. Um, it's a really cool uh, scenic flight and, and I, I guess charter flight outfit uh, down there in Moab. And if you're ever in that area, it is well worth the, uh, the money that you'll spend on that flight to get those aerial views there. It's really, really spectacular. 
Awesome. I'm going to head over there right now, and it's uh, flyredtail.com. Thanks for that, Sean. And our last pick of the week actually is uh, normally uh, Russ puts this in there, and it's a book. Tom, what is your pick of the week? Oh, yeah, I know. And, it, and I, little birdie told me Russ wasn't going to be here tonight. So believe it or not, <laughs> some, some of us also read as well. And, you know, it, it, it was funny. I was looking through my um, – my Kindle, and I, and I went back through a book that I had read a while back. Actually, when I first got my first first got my private pilot certificate. So the book is called "101 Things to Do with Your Private Pilot License," even though I like to call it a certificate. But um, this book was awesome. It was it was literally 101 different things to do, and and um, believe it or not, even as a you know. Typerated pilot now, a certificated flight instructor. All of these things are things that I go back to and try to do to keep my flying skills, um, you know, up as best as I possibly can. And and I was flipping through this thing the other day, and I thought, you know what, this would be a great pick of the week just to share with people to um, go out and look at this book. I mean, the last time I think the the edition I got is a third edition. It was published in two thousand four. But a lot of these ideas are still pertinent and, you know, very good for general aviation pilots and any kind of pilot. So the name of the book is 101 Things to Do with Your Private Pilot License. And I have a link there for it. Well, thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. And uh, that's it for our picks of the week. And that's it for the show. But one thing I want you to do is do me a favor and and go out and, and check out our sponsor, PlainEnglishSim.com. They have that app-based aviation radio simulator. Helps you gain radio proficiency both VFR and IFR. And another thanks to all those people that have helped us out and our patrons out there. If you want to learn how to become a patron, just go to StuckMikeAvCast.com. Click on Patron. And every dollar that we actually raised through that goes towards producing this but also each dollar goes towards buying a scholarships guide for somebody out there through our pay it forward campaign well we really appreciate your listening today if you have any uh, suggestions comments any techniques we'd love to hear from you go to stuckmikeavcast.com click on the contact button let us know what you think well folks safe flying out there we'll talk to you next episode this has been wonderful bringing this to you and don't don't forget to, to make sure you keep trying to improve your skills improve your landing skills no matter what you do uh, when you're flying after you shut this off don't stop there keep trying to think about aviation by doing this listen to the podcast reading books videos and online courses again safe flying we'll talk to you next episode you've been listening to the stuck mike abcast members of the stuck mike abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast compensation may be received in the form of but not limited to referral commissions free products or service trials our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show the stuck mike abcast is an aviation podcast and a valeri aviation corporation production